This is Capo Go for February 6th, 2023. Keep up to date with the Go community in just 15 minutes per week. I'm Shai Nechmad. And I'm Jonathan Hall. The great big release is out. We both missed our, uh, our bets. Yes. Uh, so we owe each other coffees. Go 120 is out. Yay! Let's discuss the new and shiny features, starting with PGO. Profile guided optimization um, is a really interesting technique. I, like the compiler can do a lot of stuff for us, right? Check types, etc., etc. One of the things it does is introduce optimizations. If uh, you ever did, you know, actual compiler work on C or C++, you might remember discovering the minus O equals one, two, three, and trying to learn what each of them does and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then finally understanding why people who develop de- debuggers and compilers are smarter than you. Um, So this is a really approachable way to think about uh, these optimizations. Basically, one of the easiest optimizations that the compiler can do is inline a function. Instead of doing uh, a lot of overhead to call a function that's written somewhere in the code and jump to it and then jump back, you can just inline it. Then it saves a few, you know, CPU calls in that specific location, and that might be an optimization. It also makes the binary size different so obviously it's a trade-off it's not just Mm -hmm. obviously faster with profile guided optimization what you do is you profile your program in production you get the runtime results for basically each line and you see which lines are red which means that they take up a lot of time and they're the hot path through your application and then you tell the compiler yo these lines need more uh, optimization in the release notes it's it's really clear how to do it. It's very easy to connect the setup up. They talk about 2 to 4% performance improvements out of the box, which to me sounds insane. Mm-hmm. So a really cool feature. And what else? Yeah, so next on the list, we have a new uh, method or, or function added to the context package called with cancel cause. And I'm really excited about this because this is something I have implemented more times than I can count in my own packages. To... to, to paint the picture of what the problem is uh if you have a a context uh that either times out or cancels um it usually causes something to return an error value and that error value usually just says context canceled Mm -hmm. which isn't very descriptive so now you can you can explicitly cancel a context with a specific error value so uh maybe you're processing an http request and the database times out you could you could cancel the the context with database timed out or, or whatever is appropriate for your situation so that you get a more meaningful error message bubbling up to, to whatever is waiting on that context. So there are a ton of new features in Go120, uh, but I want to focus on the state of it right now. As we're mm-hmm. recording, it's February 6th, and it's one thing you know to play around with uh, Go120 on your command line or a hobby project, but at work at the Reco, uh, Reco.ai, which is where I work, I tried upgrading on Saturday just uh, immediately when I saw the, the tweet. Um, the moment I found a free hour, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go upgrade. Uh, at Reco, we have a pretty large monorepo with uh, a lot of Go packages. Some of them are libraries, some of them are applications. Uh, and this is the first time I'm trying to upgrade um, the monorepo. The experience itself was underwhelming and, and super simple and great. Uh, apparently, if you run Go mode edit, pass in a flag called Go, you can just tell it what version to change to. It's a very simple text file, so obviously it changes it. And then you run Go mode tidy and it figures everything out for you. However, Go 120 itself is not ready yet to be installed, at least on my machine via brew. 
you know, for a setup that's comfortable to tell a team of developers, you know, just go ahead and simple upgrade, run this these two commands, and everything's going to work great. Um, at the time of recording, not all the linters have been, you know, supported yet. The build pipeline is not working 100% at, at Brew. Um, so if you are at an enterprise and you're thinking about upgrading to 120, uh, they are working on it. I'm seeing people furiously typing in the GitHub uh, pull request, and you know you can go upvote it. It's at Homebrew, uh, and it's close. It's just a few small things, build errors, and updating and stuff like that. But it's not ready yet. So I'm really hoping to upgrade and then come back with more concrete from the field results. But as of now, the thing is out, but it's not fully baked. All right. So are there any other official <laughs> releases? I guess this is a deal. Yeah, so of course, the, the, according to Go uh, policy, the two latest versions of Go are supported, which means that Go 1.18 is no longer supported. So if you're still using 1.18 or older for some reason, you might want to consider upgrading so that you can get any security patches or, or bug fixes that come out. It's It's been an honor working with you, Go 1.18. Thanks a lot. Yep. This is the big official release. Next one is going to be in six months. Yep. So <laughs> hopefully this, uh, these major changes are going to relax a bit and we can focus on the, you know, on the more periphery uh, of the language. Yeah, because, of course, the, the Go releases are not, by any stretch, the only things happening in the community. We have lots of releases of third-party packages, uh, tools, which, of course, we have several to talk about today, and conferences and other uh, community events. So other than the official releases, what's upcoming? Yeah, so, uh, of course, every week uh, we have updates on the status of a number of proposals uh, that are that could potentially show up in, in a future version of Go. And, and this week did not disappoint. There were quite a few, far more than we can talk about on the show. Uh, but a couple of them, I think, are worth uh, calling out. The first one is uh, a proposal that was accepted to change the way Go.mod works uh, for tool chain selection. And I'm not going to go into all the technical details because, honestly, it's about three or four pages of explaining the problem before we get to the actual solution to the problem. <laughs> and that's just more the detail than listeners care about. But we'll have a link in the description if you do, do want those details. The, the, the TLDR version is that we'll be adding a new, uh, a new line to the go.mod file that makes tool chain selection more uh, explicit. And this will make forward compatibility better. The reason this is important is that this will allow us to deprecate the ridiculous way that f variables are handled in for loops. I, I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I, mean, I know it's bitten everybody before, but the way that the for loop variables are reused. Mm -hmm. So if you either use a go routine or you try to use a pointer to that variable, it kind of just tramples all over your expectations. There's discussion and, and hope to fix that in a future version of Go, but it's technically a, an incompatible change. So we have to be very careful about doing that. And this change to go.mod uh, is expected to make that change safe. Well, these changes um, are obviously better than doing go to and yes. you know introducing a, a breaking change. And while we're at it, let's uh, remove the parents from uh, fmt.print. <laughs> let's not do that. The proposal is really well written. And if you're looking for uh, just something very focused and technical to read, I recommend you just go check it out. What else is uh, accepted? Yeah, so another change is worth pointing out, I think, is that we're going to be adding a new standard library package. I wouldn't be surprised if this makes it into 1.21, but that's not certain. It could be later. But we already have golang.org slash x slash exp slash maps, which gives us a bunch of map utilities about 
working with maps. And based on that experiment, we're going to be building a new maps package in the standard library that takes a lot of those capabilities and just makes some standards. So that's kind of cool. And finally, we have an ongoing discussion about something we discussed in a previous episode of our podcast, uh, which is a proposal of making the line on which a failing table test was defined easier uh, to find. This all relates to locating the file uh, in which uh, tests were failing. This is, again, another breaking change, so it needs to be an optional parameter. And just a quick callback, if you are experiencing this, these issues and it frustrates you, we recommend checking uh, GoTestSum, which is, uh, had a release pretty recently. Uh, and it's, it's a third-party thing, uh, but it's a pretty handy tool to have on hand. And, and just a reminder, if you're interested in, in this, this is an ongoing discussion, this one you're talking about. Um, it's still open for comment. So if you have an opinion on this, head over to the GoEasy Tracker on GitHub, link in the description, and leave your comments, leave your suggestions. Tell them uh, we sent you. you know, they'll treat you nice. So what other news are there in the community outside outside the you know standard uh, library bubble? Yeah, we, we, had a, we had a lot of releases in the last week or so. Uh, some of them will probably save for, for next week because there's just too many. I think the most important one, though, probably we'll start with, and that is Golang CI Lint has a new release, uh, version 1.51 and 1.51.1 are both released this last week. There's two big things. The the big thing is it supports Go 1.20. That that was the big reason for the first uh, release, but they've also made some additional progress in making it work with generics. I don't know if other people have noticed this, but uh, we, on, a, on a previous project, we were st sticking with Go 1.17 specifically because going to 1.18 broke half of our linters for a while. <laughs> and most of that is behind us now. There's still a few odd linters that don't work with generics and Go 1.18, but that list is dwindling. And uh, the 1.51.1 release earlier this week fixed, I believe, the last outstanding bug with the static check linter. So we're getting really close to having a completely functional Golang CI lint, even with generics. So that's really exciting. What I recommend to people who already have Golang CI Lint, you know, in their stack is to go to the YAML file and just review the exclude list because we have a tendency to add more and more linters as they break, but there's no uh, reverse action of taking linters that were fixed and adding them back to the list. Yeah. So it might be a cool idea to remove everything from exclude, run it on your code, be horrified, and then <laughs> start to exclude the ones that you think are irrelevant. And if you don't have a Golang CI lint in your project, I highly recommend it. Definitely. Uh, just the best Go linter, meta linter out there. Super fast and just works really solidly. Definitely. Just highly recommend it. What else? This is actually old news, but it's new to me. I discovered this week that the Gorilla Toolkit has been archived and deprecated, basically due to lack of maintainers. So it's still available. You can still use it but it's not taking new features or bug fixes. It's a little bit sad that Toolkit's been around for ages. Uh, it was one of the first Ten ones. Ten years. Yeah. It, it's almost as old as Go itself. Um, so we can still use it, of course, but it's, it's kind of sad to see uh, one of the old kids retire. There are a lot of replacements, of course. Yes. Uh, the one thing that Go isn't lacking is web toolkits and HTTP servers. Um, in the same sense that, you know, in Scala, they have 500 uh, different uh, JSON parsers. So in Go, we have 500 different uh, HTTP servers. Um, so if you need to migrate, I think you're, you should be fine. And you'll have a lot of uh, selection. So, so you're, not, you're not really in trouble there. No, I think that might not. have also contributed to the, you know, inactivity. Just the new frameworks were a little more 
easier to work with. Another news in the community, there's a new concurrency lib by SourceGraph called CONC, which I assume is pronounced conc for concu- concurrency, which just shot in the number of stars. They released it really recently, and they already have like 5.5K stars on GitHub. And going through the documentation and the library itself, it's really easy to understand why. Um, they offer things, you know, Jonathan, you mentioned uh, you implemented context uh, mm-hmm. canceling with clause. How many times did you want to use a weight group concurrency limited task runner, like a pool, but then you wanted it with a result or with error or with context, so the pool is cancelable? You wanted to stream ordered uh, like uh, stream an ordered list of tasks, but you want to process it in parallel with callbacks. All these super basic concurrency tasks that were easy to copy-paste as boilerplate, but were just a ton of lines, um, are offered in this library in a really, really uh, you know, condensed form, just a couple of lines. Looks great. A word of warning, it is super hyped right now. And, you know, I showed it to my team and they were like, oh, my God, let's just bring it all across the code. Let's replace all our, uh, you know, internal stuff that we did in replacement. It is pre 1.0. Okay. So it might break. It's not, there might be issues that will be breaking. Uh, It's not stable yet. They claim that uh, 1.0 is targeted for uh, 2023 March, which is not far at all. So I think it's a safe bet, but it's a safer bet to wait for a month before you put it in your most critical production, uh, you know, uh, code paths. Awesome. So what about conferences? So uh, GopherCon Israel is tomorrow. And as I'm recording this, there are five tickets remaining. So hurry up and buy those last five tickets. (laughs) Yeah, like we said uh, last week, uh, Israelis uh, wait until the last moment. Yeah. I also didn't get my tickets until this morning and I'm speaking. So... For everybody else, I'm excited to announce uh, that we have a virtual conference coming up. Uh, April 20, Conf 42 is going to be live, and the CFP is open until March 20. So if you're interested in attending or speaking at a virtual Go event, that's your chance. Great. This is where we'd put a sponsorship, and uh, you'd skip it. Uh, if we had one, we are actively looking for a sponsor. If you're listening to this and you think that putting your company out there, your brand out there, your product, your thing out there for the... Your mobile app, your yeah. VPN provider. For the Go community would be useful. Please reach out to us. And this is a good chance to mention where you can find us. Uh, you can find us at cupago.dev, of course. You can send us an email at news at cupago.dev. And of course, you can find us on all the popular sites, Spotify and iTunes, and be sure to leave a review if you like this show. I guess if you don't like the show, leave a review too, but we like the positive ones. Yeah. Um, And if you want to reach out in a medium that's not email, we're also available on uh, the Go for Slack. We have a channel there called Cup of Go. uh, So you can reach out, ask questions, give us some feedback. We we are looking at emails, which is a pretty good segue into what's coming in after this ad break. So stay tuned. And here we are back again after that amazing ad break. Uh, we are excited to be here with Michiel Lukin. Did I say that right? Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm so embarrassed about saying your name. I've known you for years, and I, I'm always apprehensive about saying the name incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> Michiel and I are co-organizers of the Golang Amsterdam meetup, 
And Michaela has recently released a new tool, a new service, product, what do you call it, thing that, we're, that you're going to talk about. Uh, t- tell us what your thing is. It's, it's a brand new mail server. So, uh, yeah, you want to, oh, everyone's been emailing for ages. Email is a great protocol, one of the oldest uh, distributed protocols still in use. And uh, Mox is a mail server that, that will take care of all your email needs. That's the that's a vision, and I'm getting closer. Nice. So Mox, M-O-X, right? Yeah. So it takes over all of your needs. Tell us what all needs are, because you know I think of okay. I think of Postfix <laughs> and and IMAP, and I think all these different things that I need to set up a server for each of these. Where does yours fit in? Yeah, well, that, that was exactly a bit of my, well, frustration is a big word. I've been a happy user for, of, of Postfix, Dovecot, and many of the other components that you use to set up a mail system uh, for years. So it's very high-quality software. But the, 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 the issue a bit with that is that there are many components that you need to get one working setup. So what I actually had to update my system, and I was uh, sort of uh, exp- uh, postponing it every time uh, because I was just looking uh, I didn't look forward to uh, updating all those components. Uh, so, of course, then you start writing your own thing. And uh, well, the idea of Mox was to have all, all those things that you need for the modern for a modern email setup in one one application, full feature. So it's just easy to to get do, to do. So there's SMTP in there and, and IMAP. Of course, that's the, pretty much the basics. But you now in the past, SMTP was maybe enough to to run an email server to send email and receive email. But nowadays, you need SPF, DKIM, DMARC. There's TLS reporting, MTA, STS, and you know it's a long list. You need spam filtering, like be easy in spam filtering. It's a long list to get to a working setup that doesn't uh, you know, that's still comfortable and still fun. So, so Mox aims to do all of that. Of course, there are definite limitations. So this is it's not aimed at huge ISPs that handle uh, mm-hmm. uh, do big relaying and whatnot. So the, the goal is really for self-hosters uh, like myself. So we can run around mail servers. Nice. Now, when I'm thinking about email servers, the first thing that I'm thinking about is security. And I see, you know, in the features of Mox, you have a gray listing of servers with uh, questionable content, uh, spam filtering, reputation tracking. So obviously you uh, thought about that um, already. I assume that means that you had problems with uh, security, with email security in your servers in the past. Well, it's a, it, there's two components basically to the security. There's a, the, the um, uh, well, this isn't like a network service, right? You have to, you're putting your code on the on the internet, and anyone can connect. So you have to practice some secure coding standards to not get uh, into trouble. So, so that's just certainly one part of the secure that, that I'm trying to to do it properly. And the other part, of course, is um, you know, with email exchange. In the past, it was all plain text. Nowadays, you can use TLS, uh, and and there are Basically, again and again, mechanisms on top of that to keep your email exchange secure. So encrypted, no clear text email messages over the internet. So that's that's part of the the, uh, the, the focus. I think every every mail setup should have sort of that focus. Uh, but with uh, Mox, it should also be easy to do. So there's the automatic TLS with ECMI and Let's Encrypt. So you don't have to mess around, mess about with the certificates and, and CAs yourself it's all pretty much automatic and talking about the good programming practices and the hardening built into the system go helps there quite a bit one thing i noticed perusing your code is you do fuzz testing which i found really exciting yeah no exactly it's the, i mean this is the thing i love about go one of the things it just 
it's just so high quality in, in that it makes all these things pretty easy to do. You get them out of the box. Fuzz testing is just maybe 10 lines of code. You can start with uh, fuzzing and it will get good results. You get actual actual problems that existed in your code uh, exposed and it will keep testing those those cases for next, like all the changes you're doing in the, in the future. So yeah, I'm still so happy with, with Go and how it's helping me <laughs> do all this. I mean, so, so actually that was maybe also one of the, uh, it's not motivations, but it, it did help a bit. I've seen discussions in the past about uh, writing network services in C. I mean, I probably wouldn't dare do that because it just so feels so dangerous. <laughs> but then, then there were discussions about like, why, why are people still writing this in C? Uh, and then the question is like, where are all these great services then written in modern languages like Go that help you do that? So that's a, that's a good question. So this is one, one answer there. Here's Mox. It, it tries to do all that in a, in a modern language. And talking about you know the modern stack, one of the things that uh, the server has is some logs and metrics. Um, now, one thing I uh, dabble in—that's my day job—is um, mm. doing security for for SaaS. You know, uh, Google Drive and Gmail and Outlook and all these uh, cloud services. Um, what kind of uh, information I can get as an admin of the server? That, how invasive is it? How help, how much can it help me? You know, find problems for my users. Yeah, so I, I, uh, there is a lot of debug logging in there and trace logging. You can get full SNTP IMAP transcripts of, of protocols. Uh, you can even trace all the data and all the authentication uh, exchanges, but that's not owned by like there's a, that's a, another level there. Uh, but basically, all the DNS requests that are being done for all the MX records and so on, they're all being logged on debug level. Uh, so there's very detailed uh, logging in there. And it just really helps. Uh, so, so I just published this code a week ago. Two weeks ago, I started using it myself and migrated my domain to it. And of course, then uh, before you do that, you, <laughs> you want to make sure that you can <laughs> debug issues properly. So yeah. It's just not, it's, uh, the, the, then it gets real serious. So you keep adding, uh, well, it's not like endless, but it's, uh, I think, I feel like I, I got a, a decent amount of logging if you need it. And otherwise you can just run it at info loggings and get like reasonable information. So there's also Prometheus. So this is, logging is um, in log fund, uh, structured logging. So you can easily filter you can even, if you want to, create metrics based on that, that logging. I think that's a pretty cool, uh, extensible way of getting lots of information out of an application. And there's also Prometheus log metrics in there for like uh, stuff you can alert on more easily. Sounds like it's uh, ready for production, which yeah. is exactly <laughs> the you know level of paranoia I would expect for someone running their own mail server. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, well, that's a good thing. If, if you if your own email depends on it. <laughs> so how extensible is this? I mean, if somebody looks at this and they're like, oh, I, I would love this, but I need UUCP support or something like that. How extensible <laughs> is your, is your uh, software? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I would say it's not it's not uh, extensive in the sense that like there's no plugin mechanism. Uh, there's also mm -hmm. by design no way to say execute commands on incoming mail. It's mm -hmm. like a sure way to. Well, it's not a sure way to get. I mean, it's, it's a tricky thing. You have to if you want to do that kind of things. You have to right. uh, be careful about it. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's not in here. So the the you know you never know what the future brings. But for now, we just want to make it very easy to get a very decent, like, pretty common featured mail server setup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, I mean, this is something I don't really like is that you have to put all the, I mean, it's where you get it, 
basically a toolbox for meal and you have to do everything yourself. Of course, the downside here is that there will always be someone saying, I, I need feature X. Sure, right. This XKCD I always go back to where, uh, you know, uh, the space bar heats up the laptop and uh, they they keep the children hot in winter because of the space bar and they, they turn off this bug and they tell me, your update kills children. Now they are cold in winter. <laughs> Every time someone fixes a bug in our code base, I send. I, I, I haven't seen that one. We have to find the link to put in the in the show notes so that everyone else can find it too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's say I want to move to Mox. How do I import my you know existing server, which obviously is written in uh, Java two, and you know I need to I have to migrate. Uh, so so I've I've tried to make it made it, make it easy to set up an, a new machine. So but the the. I already found that uh, the tricky thing is that you basically need a separate machine because to get automatic TLS, to get all these nice features, you, you just need port uh, 443 and people have like existing machines, but they already run web servers. So the precious port 443 is already in use. So that's that's one, one of the things. But if you get a new machine, uh, so it's very easy. You can just go install the binary. You get a MOX binary. You, you do a quick start. So you just uh, run the command. You get a configuration uh, and it makes it so easy. It, uh, it prints... All the commands you need to execute to set file permissions correctly, even to start it as a systemd service if you're a Linux user. And then, of course, the importing starts. Uh, there's an import functionality that can import both mildir or mil or mbox files. So I was using uh, mildir uh, emails, so I uh, imported mine, and it was uh, was relatively smooth. Well, after a few trial runs, so I'm sure mm-hmm. someone else trying it will run into some new problems, and maybe there are a different mailbox formats that should be supporting. Uh, it's definitely something I expect to get requests for if, if people start using this. And I think this uh, connects really well to the call to action of uh, this uh, brand new library. Uh, let's say uh, you're a listener and this sounds like a cool project or, you know, you're uh, growing your own uh, wheat, uh, generating your own electricity, uh, pumping your own water and running your own mail server. Uh, <laughs> how, how can uh, that listener help you? Uh, just just install it and uh, see how it goes and tell me how, how it works out. I've actually had uh, some feedback report. It's always like you, I, write, I wrote a readme and I thought uh, I'm mentioning definitely certain steps that you need to take. But a new new view on how how it works for someone is always always brings up a ton of new well, issues or, or ways you can improve uh, how how new users will see this. So just uh, in general, the f- feedback. Maybe maybe there's someone with lots of email operation experience because I've been running my own mail, but I'm small scale. So if you if you run this at a larger scale, you you know more about the intricacies, the issues, the the, the things that maybe I didn't think about yet. So that's all. That's also uh, would also be nice to hear. All right. So if you're listening and you wanna uh, check Mox out, the link to the GitHub will be in the show notes. Uh, but it's a really short one, so I am going to spell it out like it's it's 1994. Just spell out a URL. <laughs> it's github.com slash mgl dash slash mocks. I wonder how many scripts were broken because of that dash in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so go check it out. Give it a star. Clone it. Try to install it. Uh, complain about the, the bugs to Michiel. That would be great. And, yeah. uh, oh, and open uh, issues. Looking forward to your complaints. <laughs> <laughs> your, your feedback or your we, your we will thoughts. try not to disappoint yeah our, our audience <laughs> tends to swear a lot they, they use a very harsh language <laughs> excellent um so we have uh, uh one question we ask uh, all our uh, interviewees 
you know, gun to your head. You have to pick a feature and get rid of it in Go. Oh. What's leaving the What's leaving the language? Oh, for me, it would definitely be the 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 um, uh, oh, how do you call those the, the the underscores in your large numbers. Like you're, you're oh. you want to spell a thousand, you do one underscore zero zero zero. I I I'm, I always type one star uh, thousand or, or five star thousand. Oh. Or, so you know, I, I don't see the point of those. Wow. Yeah, it's um, a it's a small thing. That's not it's one a, I would expect. It, no, no, no. Yeah, well, it's, uh, maybe if I had put some more thought in it, I would have come to a different. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Well, uh, now now uh, it's you know instead of one language, you have to think about all the rest that you know. And if you were to steal a feature from another language, what would you steal into Go? Yep. Yeah, that, that's Maybe a toughie. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily stealing, but because I don't know another language that does it all that much easier. But a bit more type inference might be good to have. For I've been writing a little bit of generics code, not not a lot, but there are already like yes, yeah, some 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 improvements ready there. I think uh, to 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 be had. Although, yeah, it's not my urgent. experience. My experience. I've for the last week. Um, until just yesterday, I was writing a lot of TypeScript, starting to lose my mind. Um, but the you know right click on an entire file, just fill in the types for me. I'm not gonna do it. That's kind of nice. All right. Well, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, hope to bombard you with requests and complaints uh, at Mox uh, on on your new project. Excellent. Thanks. So Michael and I have been co-organizers of the Go Meetup group here in Amsterdam for, for several years, so it's really great to have him on here. Um, I actually earlier this morning recorded uh, an episode for my YouTube channel with him where we go into more technical detail, look at some of the code. So if you're interested in that, I'll try to put a link in the show notes, but it won't be there right now because it hasn't published yet, but I'll update it in a week or so. So come back um, if you're interested in that. He's a great guy. Um, he's been using Go for ages, like I think as long as Go 1.0 has been out, maybe even before it was released. Um, so he's a really knowledgeable uh, Go user, and so it was. it's really an honor to have him on the show today to talk about this project he's been working on. I'm, I'm glad he was able to join us. Yeah, and, and let's do our best to crash his server, right? Yes. Let's send him as many emails as possible. That, that's right. We're going we're gonna to send him as much spam as possible to stress test it and make sure it's a better product. All right. So my cup of, admittedly this week, uh, tea, I hope I'm not banished, is empty. I guess we'll see you all next week. Until then. Cheers. Bye.